Hello and welcome to Nikon Report, your weekly roundup of all the latest Nikon news and all other photographic announcements that we found interesting. Is Constantine here? This is Becky. Oh, this is going to be a very action-packed podcast. I can tell you why, because we thought it was going to be a quiet week, but then Nikon came out with a bombshell, the bombshell of 600mm f4s lens. That's right, brace yourselves. So for those of you who will have seen this morning, we did a brief announcement video just going over the specs, so we're not going to do that again. But what we are going to talk about is the fact that nobody saw this lens coming. Well, it's been rumored last week, apparently, mm. with the words coming out by the end of this year. So not like it's coming out next week or anything like this. And also that it may be a 4 or a 4.5 lens. There was no concrete details about that. So well done, Nikon, for keeping it secret. Absolutely. Now, it has been a long lens sort of year for Nikon, and we weren't necessarily expecting another long lens, but look what we got. Yeah, I mean, we really need two more lenses to come in in this segment, and then I think we're going to be done. Then we're done for long lenses. Exactly. So 200 600, that one is people asking for, and then either 7300 or 7200 are four. So feed those in, and then you're pretty much kind of done with the long lenses, at least for now. Yes. Now, let's talk about the price point here, because yes. it's obviously not a cheap lens. It's uh, when we originally saw the specs, it was pegged between 15 and 16,000 pounds in the UK, but it is an exotic lens. Now the 600 F4 F mount version mm -hmm. came out, what, seven years ago? I can tell you, it was July the 2nd, 2015. I remember it like yesterday. <laughs> and how much was that when that came out? Well, the current price is 1,300. I assume it's probably dropped a little bit, but then we also had a price hikes, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. now, Obviously, looking at the design of this lens, it's complete redesign. It's obviously almost 600 grams lighter. It's got a lot more elements in a lot more groups. So first of all, it's a new design. Second of all, I would assume that, well, with the whole, you know, inflation going on, with the whole currency exchange going on, the prices have jumped. They have. About 3,000 pounds. So in terms of this, yes, it is very expensive lens. Yes, it's not for everyone. Let's be honest with this. And it's an exotic lens after all. But the good news is that whoever needed this lens, they'll buy it. And the positive thing about this is the lens has a teleconverter built in, which means maybe people who are considering 800 mil, but also need a 600, they don't need to buy two lenses anymore. That's right. They can just buy one. And Seth Miranda, who well pointed out that rental houses, they have to buy those lenses by default. And it's a lot of money to spend for lenses like this. So they can potentially just buy one lens instead of stocking two. That's right. Now, in terms of who this lens is for, the fact that it's a 600 mil already puts it pretty firmly slotted into the sports and wildlife photographer arena. We've also got the built-in teleconverter making it an 840 mil f5.6, plus the fact that you can add to it a TC 1.4 or a TC 2 times, which means potentially you could get a 1680 millimeter lens out of it. Exactly. So that's on top of built-in teleconverter, just to be precise. So It's very cool. It does make me think that, apart from the price point, there is a really specific market at the moment that Nikon are trying to keep very, very happy. And that is the sports and wildlife yeah. photographers. We started that whole evolution with the Z9 and then the 400 2.8, the 100 400, the 400 4.5, the 800 6.3, and now finally the 600 F4. So 
I think that our sports and wildlife photographers are happy. I think they should be satisfied. But if there are any of you in the audience or listening on the podcast platforms, you should let us know if you think that there is a professional telephoto lens that you're actually missing. Because I kind of feel like we're good now. We've, we've got them all. We've got something for everyone in that particular genre. Why not give something to the guys who do wide angle, portraiture, etc.? Yeah, I mean... 85mm 1.2 has been teased for quite a long time, um, as well as 200 to 600, let's be honest. And so, talk about it every week, just so Exactly. You know. <laughs> so, so it would be nice to have those lenses. And I think, okay, as I said, it's been a good year for you wildlife and sports photographers, which is great. So, of course, us who do everything else but those things and don't have enough much money to spend... I understand, you know, we would love to see something else, but for sure. I'm really happy for you guys because you are getting all those tools, which are mainly pros we'll use anyway. Yeah. And those lenses will be sold to news agencies, to, you know, big professional photographers, et cetera, et cetera. So you got the tools to use, which is great. Hopefully we get more tools for other guys next year. Let us know your thoughts on this lens in the comments below. We'd be very interested to hear what you think. Here we are on Tuesday. The podcast has been recorded and ready to go out on Wednesday when you see it. But sometimes the news happen that I have to get out, out of my pajamas on Tuesday and chat with you, Becky. Everyone knows that I genuinely hibernate from Monday to Friday. You only come out on Mondays and you only come out on Fridays and the rest of the time you hibernate. Exactly. In my coffin, just like Dracula. You do. Unfortunately, we've had some extra breaking news. Do you remember a few months ago, actually, probably shortly after the announcement of the Z9, Nikon announced a small accessory release, which was the MCN10. Does that ring a bell? Oh, yeah. It's the one for the video creators, isn't it? So, it's, so they had a picture of the guy having this thing attached to the proper video tripod, you know, with a special connection. And it's got all those little controls to control the camera that wasn't a tripod, but on the side of a tripod. That's right. So that has now officially been released. The price is £439. All the specs are out there in the wide world. We're including some imagery for you here. Obviously, it's not something that we have a huge amount of experience with yet, but it's great to see that a product they announced a little while back is finally on the market. That's true. We are ourselves like getting into videography on a more serious level. We are testing little things that normally us photographers wouldn't do. So this is another accessory for us to test. And actually, hopefully, it will improve our videography. Now, let's talk about the price. So £439. What do you think about this? Is it, is it a lot? Is it not? I'm not a videographer, so I'm not 100% sure. Is it normal in this type of industry or not? Well, if we compare, and probably not the best comparison, but some small rig products do have that heftier price tag on them, video accessories, focus pullers, etc., bigger kits. So I imagine that it's probably at the premium end, but not the high premium end in terms of price point. However, any of our videographers or video users in the comment section, please feel free to add your thoughts. Definitely. We would like to hear your opinion because, as I say, yeah, I think the, uh, generally you start to look at video accessories and Price-wise, we thought the photography accessories are expensive. Video accessories is another level. So is it worth the value for money? We definitely want to hear from actual professionals who would use it or who would consider purchasing it. Fantastic. Let's move on to other news. And the big news last week, which 
came out on the day we published our podcast, which was pre-recorded before we pre-recorded those things. So it was a massive bombshell as well, and it was a Nikon Z9 version 3.0 firmware. Now, let's look at the whole landscape of releases that week, okay? Mm. So Sony announced A7 RV, or you call it R5, but I call it RV, you know, which was effectively Z7 Mark III or, or could be Z8 competitor. So... That was that. Olympus, or the company who owns Olympus, announced OM5, which was a new camera in that Micro Four Thirds system. And I assume that Z9 firmware release mm. didn't just come out of the blues, that they just thought that it was a coincidence. I thought it was a kind of a strategy to release it on the same announcement day, just to maybe spoil those announcements a little bit and take a little bit of attention out of them. <laughs> or it could be that, obviously, we have lots of commentators on everywhere on social media, and they would say, oh, where is Nikon and all that? And here is Nikon. Here they are. Exactly. And that led to a few more points. Was the firmware rushed? Was there something else, etc.? So we're going to discuss it later. But let's talk about actual new features and changes in the firmware first. And then we're going to discuss the firmware and why it is important. Okay. Well, first up, Nikon have actually released a supplementary firmware manual, which goes through the new features and the changes. So if you are a Z9 owner and you are updating the firmware, then do check out the, the user guide for that. Imagine you're releasing firmware and then you're releasing a user guide mm. just for that firmware. That's probably a big firmware. I mean, probably Call of Duty, the new one, is still bigger in size. Took all night to download that. If you need to release a 78-page manual for the firmware, that sounds to me like it is pretty extensive. It's quite extensive. Now, should we talk about a sort of brief version okay. of what they added? So we've got a number of changes to, we've got low light performance that's been lowered by 0.5 EV. Uh, okay, that means that the camera could focus at minus 6.5 EV and it's now minus 7 EV, which is a good change in my opinion. Yeah, I like that. Now, 3D tracking also had several improvements, including the ability to ignore objects passing between the camera and the subject which is always important, um, better animal focus, and the ability to change the 3D tracking indicator color, which is very useful, particularly if you are color sensitive. Mm. So that's fantastic. They also changed the tendency to focus on backgrounds, which has now been reduced. Focus peaking now works outside of the manual focus mode. Several reported bugs have been fixed and focus shift shooting now has a focus position reset, which means that once it's finished, it's focus stacking, essentially, mm -hmm. it will go back to the beginning focus point, which is quite useful. Mm -hmm. So what that means is actually they improved already on existing features for stills photographers. So autofocus is now stickier. It's better sticks to the subject, but also doesn't stick to the background. You know, sometimes when the camera just accidentally focuses to the background mm -hmm. and it just doesn't come back. You know, and then you have to press or to focus once to reset, etc. So this now has been improved a little bit. And you know the focusing point, which is normally white little square, mm -hmm. you can now change the color of it, which is nice. It's now can be red, so it's not in focus, and then it will become green. Mm. So that helps in situations like photographing, let's say, a white wall or photographing snow, etc., etc. So you can change the color of this, which is again, those are little things which I guess you can get in feedback from photographers because I don't think that they would need to spend months month implementing how to change the color. But 
it definitely a quality of life improvement. That's right. Now, video also had a few changes. So we've got high frequency flicker reduction, which has been added to video. A high resume function has been added, which is a very cool feature that I'm very pleased about. Timecode can be reset via a remote mm -hmm. now. And uh, there are new Atomos options available, as well as our expected bug fixes. Okay, let's just uh, quickly break it down. So high frequency flicker reduction has been added to the video. So that means means when you're photographing sports with the LED advertisement LED in the background, you can effectively remove this bending from the video. We had this on steels. Now we have it for video as well, which is yeah. really nice. Now, high resolution zoom function. How does it work? Well, effectively, camera uses the 8K sample mm -hmm. and then zooming into 4K. Mm -hmm. So that happens during the video. You can potentially do it in post-production by using zoom function in Premiere Pro or DaVinci Resolve, but this feature can be assigned either to the function ring of your camera, which is really, really nice, or you can also assign it to function buttons. So you've got, let's say, function one to zoom in and function two to zoom out. You can also change the speed of the zoom to mm. slow, medium, and fast, which is a really, really cool feature. So if you want to have a little bit more dynamic videos, that's quite interesting to have. And again, for something like function buttons, that would look a little bit like the zoom is going to be nice and smooth, but maybe feel a little bit more robotic. And if you want to add a little bit of hand moving, which is never precise, it's never the same speed, then you can assign it to function button. So those features, in my opinion, are quite cool. But time code is pretty cool as well. First of all, if you're using Atomos recording devices, you can set up a timecode with, with them. You can also transmit to Atomos wirelessly. You also can sync your cameras. If you go WR10, you can sync a timecode between the two cameras. So imagine you have two or three Z9. I know you are the happiest, probably the luckiest person in the world. Hopefully not for too soon because, uh, because the supply is improving all the time. But with those features, you can now sync the time code and that helps you to sync the footage later on in the post-process. It's very helpful. Other notable changes include a C60 option. Okay, so what does it mean? So basically we have 30 frames per second in JPEG mode at full resolution 45 megapixels. Mm -hmm. We also had 120 frames per second in JPEG at 11 megapixel resolution. That's right. So those options were nice, but now we have a middle ground. So those C60 function effectively allows you to get 60 JPEGs per second at slightly bumped resolution of 90 megapixels instead of 11. So if you need that feature, and if you, let's say, you need to crop a bit into the image, you will appreciate that because obviously 19 megapixels is slightly better than 11. And 60 frames per second, well, if you can't get it in that, then there's no hope for you. Um, a new DX image size option has been added. Yeah, that's been now assigned to, you can assign to the function button and then you can just press it once and it just goes straight to DX mode and it covers back. For some reason, we had that on DSLRs, but it wasn't on Z, uh, Z9, so it is there now. Which is good. Prioritized viewfinder now has two options, which we don't know what they are, but... It's in the list of things. We've also got an improvement of showing your effects of settings when a flash is being used, which is very helpful for mm -hmm. our studio photographers. Oh, definitely. And we've also got better rotation in playback, which rotates with the camera when you turn it. So it could be useful if you um, use that rotate option. Mm -hmm. They've also added a full format option for CF Express cards. Then mm -hmm. the camera supports FTPS format, which is upload format for a lot of agencies. So yep. it used to be FTP, then FTPS is slightly more secure. File transfer protocols, what that stands for. Added options to custom setting menu controls that have been requested by photographers and a host of other little 
bits and pieces. Yeah, so the list of features and improvements is vast. You're welcome to go to the Nikon website and look at it and also read the 78-page manual. Now, if you want to just to go and look at the best features, there are a couple of videos we have for you. So if you like a Nikon marketing speak, the Nikon USA has a video for you that breaks down the important features of that night. Now, if you like puppets instead, then watch DP review video and they will tell you why Z9 is so good. <laughs> that was I was doing my puppet impression, <laughs> my hand puppet. Now, in the aftermath of Z9 firmware release, which you can download straight away now, and I'm sure a lot of you already did, there were a couple of bugs already reported, and uh, Tom Hogan talks about them in his article, which is called What's Happening with the Nikon Z9? In summary, Tom raises a couple of issues. He says that there has been some name changing, which has obviously then, if certain things in menus have been changed, then his My Menu seems to have also gotten upset, which is sort of understandable if they've added things. Now, his suggestion to fix that is make sure that you, you copy all your settings onto a memory card, then do your firmware update, then load all your settings afterwards, and that should minimize the damage a little bit on your saved settings. Yeah, and generally we always recommend to do to any firmware upgrade just to be on the safe side, really, more than anything else. Yeah. Now, there are a couple of other bits and pieces that he's brought up that other people have pointed out and that he hasn't experienced himself, but if you are experiencing some sort of bug, then you can always report it to your Nikontech support center because they do feed that information back up through to the powers that be so that they can fix it in another firmware update. He also points out another issue in his article, Bug or No Bug, about hybrid autofocus performance. Now, there's no bug there or anything like this, but it seems like that hybrid autofocus performance has been changed from version 2.0 to version 3.0. And in terms of this, people on YouTube are recommending to use the system in one way, he was recommended in a different way and now slightly changed. So he does recommend, so if you were going with a YouTube way of using hybrid AF, whatever that is, then you may need to adjust a little bit. But now let's talk about updating firmware for a second. So Nikon says that the firmware itself might take up to six minutes to update your camera because it's such an extended firmware. So you will see the bar showing the progress of the update. So don't freak out if it takes a little bit longer than that, but just keep an eye on that. It's very similar to what happened to version 2.0 firmware when you were upgrading from version 1.0. It's fine. Now, Becky. Yes. We also got first rumors of Nikon Z9 Mark II. Can you imagine that? I don't want to entertain that idea. I'm a bit worried. Exactly. Well, since we have a Tom Hogan podcast today, he was the first one to spill the beans on that. And if you can just read what he wrote in that article, yes. and then we're going to talk about it and get one billion clicks from you. <laughs> so he said, I'm also getting hints that there might be a third reason for this firmware rush. Three different sources of varying provenance are now telling me that a Z9 II is coming sooner rather than later and likely to be more of a Z9S type update. So don't panic. Which means that the Z9 base firmware needs to fully resolve soon. The original Z9 was rushed to market in the first place. There's been a frantic effort to get it fully optimized and settled. I've still got a long list of things that could and should be changed or added to fully round out the Z9, even though Nikon did address two or three of my points in the 3.0 release. I've written before that I believe we'll see a Z92 prior to the Paris Olympics in August 2024, but perhaps Nikon is prioritizing getting the Z9 into full competitive suit before Canon announces the R1 and Sony an A1 Mark II. I think I should probably just adjust my Z9 prediction to sometime in 2023 at this point. 
Okay, and he says, I expect that early 2023 is going to be very busy for Nikon. Now, let's talk about this. I mean, if it's Olympics in 2024, mm -hmm. then we have a bit of time. If he says that it's, a, let's say, mid-2023, and he talks about Z9S type of firmware, so think about, let's say, D4, D4S, so where the camera would be improved upon previous generation, but it wouldn't be a significant leap. What do you think about this type of hardware updates? Well, let me tell you what I think. Well, uh, <laughs> let me open my notes. <laughs> so this is obviously something that we've seen a lot in the past. We had the D3 that was updated to a D3S, D4 updated to a D4S, and usually you had photographers who would go for one or the other. If you had a D3, you wouldn't automatically update to a D3S if you were working pro, mm -hmm. right? And same with the D4 and D4S. Sometimes photographers will wait a couple of generations of a camera before changing over. So I wonder if the logic of Nikon bringing out a Z9 Mark II would be to catch those people that were on the fence about the Z9 mm -hmm. and fulfill it with some maybe smaller additions that the Z9 isn't going to have through a firmware update. I personally don't have a list of those things. It doesn't, it's not a camera for me. So I don't have this list of, oh, I think the Z9 II will have blah, blah, blah. But I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the idea. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, is it mid 2023 or before the Olympics in 2024? I would hope that they'd hold fire and not release anything until the beginning of 2024 so that the cameras are available by August 2024. If we look at the D5 and the D6, both of those were January releases for March, you know, on the shelf sort mm -hmm. of concept. So, uh, and both of those cameras was, were Olympics cameras as well. So I think the Z9 Mark II would be that, if anything. If it's in 2023, I will be very surprised, but I am quite willing to eat my words. Okay, well, let me tell you why I don't agree with Tom and agree with you. Okay. Okay, first one up. <laughs> Makes a change. No, just kidding. <laughs> first one up. Welcome to Con Has Spoken segment of our podcast. First one up. Um, Paris Olympics are in August 2024. So we're not going to see the camera in the mid-2023. I'll tell you why. We just got the cameras more or less available everywhere to purchase. Does it make sense to release a camera six months later? No. Absolutely no. It doesn't make sense. We are not in a videographic card segment where you release the cards every year, mm. you know, and those have been out of stock for quite some time and it's just finally uh, the situation has stabilized. It just doesn't make sense. Now, this is number one. The thing number two is the camera is so powerful that we've seen huge implementations in the firmware updates from version one, which I would call, yeah, kind of a raw-ish firmware or rushed, as we would say, mm. you know, and version 3.0, which shows a huge distance. And in my opinion, I think we should discuss in a separate video the whole path that Nikon took with the firmware updates for this camera. And are we going to see it in future cameras as well? So I really want to see that because we're finally getting the cameras that are so powerful that can get more features in the future and yeah. more power-hungry features in the future as well. Like, let's say, zooming in from 8K to 4K, you know, from full area to Super 35 area on the sensor within the camera. That's a lot of data to process and yes. adjust. So, in my opinion, it just doesn't make sense at all. What we're going to see, of course, is the busy year from Nikon in 2023. And the reason for that being is clearly we're going to get Z6 and Z7 Mark III cameras. That's just 
a clear case, then Z50 is up for grabs as well, potentially Z5, and then obviously the non-existing cameras like full-frame ZF, aka DXZFC, and obviously Z8. These are plenty of releases that should happen in 2023 without Z9 getting to the place. So if you are Z9 owner, or if you point to Z9 in the futures, in my opinion, and obviously you welcome to make your own one and agree or disagree with me, but in my opinion, Hold your horses, buy the camera now if you need to. Z9 Mark II is not going to come out in 2023. At least that's what I think. That's great. I love it. The conclusion is that Con has spoken. Con has spoken. <laughs> there was a lot of that. I was waiting for the yeah. table to be. Drop the mic, walk out. There's no point of watching the rest of the podcast. That's right. All right. Moving on. Flash News Nikon released a bunch of filmwares for Z5. G850, Z9, Z6, and Z7. And apparently, people who own Z6 Mark II and Z7 Mark II felt left alone. Fear not, there is a firmware for you too. That's correct. In a complete plot twist this week, we got another firmware update for the Z62 and Z72. Perhaps not the firmware update that you were all waiting for, but it's here nonetheless. We now have version 1.50. And what they've done is they've added support for the iOS edition of NX Mobile Air, starting with Mobile Air version 1.0.4. They've mm -hmm. made improvements to the focus ring response when manual focus is selected for focus mode. So it just means you'll be able to focus a little bit better mm -hmm. in manual focus. And they've also fixed an issue occurring when the camera was powered via USB that resulted in the supply of power ending after 15 hours of continuous use. So quite a niche issue, I suppose, for long time-lapse photographers or, exactly. um, so, or maybe if you've got it running on a video rig for more than 15 hours on, a net, on end. But uh, That's a very long live stream. This is a very long live stream. Um, I don't think we'd be able to last that long, 15 hours of live streaming. Hours are good enough for us, I think. Yeah, but those are the updates that we've been given for the Z62 and Z72. Now, obviously, we're going to see a few comments, I reckon, from Z62 and Z72 users. I think that someone who put it really, really well, who uses a 6.2 alongside their Z6s, is actually Matt Irwin. Yeah, I think he's done a really great video. We just came out literally a few seconds ago when we were recording this. And he asked the question, well, what actually the second processor in Z6 II and Z7 Mark II is actually doing because technically both cameras have XPIT 6 processor, which is the same as in Z6 and Z7 cameras, but this is a dual processor. So we've got two processors in there. So what he actually did is he said, well, why won't we look at the spec sheet when the cameras were released to show what's the difference between Z6 and Z6 Mark II cameras? And actually there's a lot of little things that is done under the hood. So there's a lot of data that cameras processing, and that's what we need the process for, uh, to improve on the actual experience. So while from visual perspective, we can say that, oh, they're about the same thing. It's actually not because refresh rate is higher. It's much better in the light focusing. And there's a lot of more little improvements there that maybe not, let's say, drastic improvements, but definitely quality of life improvements, and they're definitely there. So have a look at this video. I think it's fantastic. So for some of you who are very critical about the cameras, have a look at that, and maybe it can put some things into perspective. There you go. What I would say is that he highlights the fact that if you don't already have 
a Z6 or a Z7, you might not notice the bigger improvements in the 6.2 and 7.2. But because he uses both sets of cameras, as do we, I've got a 6.2 for filming and we, we use Z6s for our stills and video when we're out and about in the field. And so we notice those differences more than, say, somebody who doesn't have one of the earlier generation cameras and is just going to a Z6.2. So they're small improvements. It would be great to see a general autofocus improvement. But at this point, I think we're limited by what the hardware can do and how much Nikon are going to add to these bodies. That's true. If you start to listen to actual photographers who use both cameras, and we have a lot of viewers who had Z6 and upgrades to Z6 Mark II, they actually say that the Mark II generation of cameras is definitely better. Haha! <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> all right, so there were more firmware updates and for you D850 owners and for you Z5 owners as well who were standing in the shadows looking at all those goodies that the 7 and Z6 were getting. So let's start with Z5 firmware because it seems like on our previous podcast it was the top comment. It's true. Now, in this firmware update, Nikon have fixed an issue that in rare circumstances resulted in vibration reduction failing to function after the firmware was upgraded to version 1.2. I think what Nikon said is, and you get the firmware, and you're going to get the firmware, <laughs> and everyone is going to get firmware. So firmware is a firmware, it counts, isn't it? So what I think should happen to Z6 II and Z7 Mark II firmware, they should just fix previous bugs and leave it at that. Yes. Now, we feel you, and obviously... We don't like this type of firmware because it makes us a little bit angry, but hopefully we will see more features coming to Z5. I think it's a very underrated camera. It is the cheapest entry into the full frame mirrorless that camera. So in terms of this, we definitely would like to see the firmware coming in with more features added. Now, D850, the camera, which is by a lot of people, is considered to be the king of the DSLRs also got firmware. And what did we get there, Becky? We got that they fixed an issue that in rare circumstances, the virtual horizon would fail to function after the firmware was updated to version 1.2. That pesky version 1.2 was, was not good for either camera, apparently. Yeah, it's a, it's a cursed yeah. version of the firmware. But... You know what I like? They support those cameras. They still support those cameras. I don't know for how long the 1.2 firmware has been around, but they still fix the bug on it. A part of the firmware release, we also saw quite a few bits of Nikon software that have been updated. So let's start with NX Studio, which was upgraded to version 1.2.2. So what they've done is they basically added a large support, which is lookup tables, hmm. right? Which are compatible with the Nikon Z9 Nikon low curve. So that's most of those improvements are there. So if you're a Nikon Z9 user and videographer, you'll definitely appreciate that. Speaking of Nikon log, they also update to version 1.04. So if you are using Nikon log, it may be worth updating it. And those are mostly Z9 improvements. Now we also have the wireless transmitter utility, which has been updated to version 1.9.8, where they've added support for the Z9 firmware update 3.0, and also the fact that it now functions as an Apple Silicon native app on Apple Silicon computers. Oh, uh, okay, that's pretty cool. So, and then Nikon Tether, another tethering software from Nikon, has been updated to version 1.03, and they also added the support for Z9 firmware version 3.0. And then they fixed some bugs and also added the Apple Silicon compatibility. So we assume that's M1, M2 process, is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Now, Camera Control Pro 2 also got an update. This is version 2.35.1, and they've added support for the Z9's new firmware. So yeah. updates for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> updates for everyone. Now, the funny thing is that 
couple of days before those software releases, they came out with a whole thing that's saying, for you Mac users who are on macOS Ventura, we're not sure if those new bits of software are going to function. We're going to test and let you know. And then two, three days later, they release those software updates, So, which is really good. Now, important things to take away from that announcement as well, any older title software or discontinued software is not supported in that new macOS system. So keep that in mind. So if you do use, let's say, maybe Capture NX2 or something like this, then you may want to stick to the previous versions of software. Just keep an eye on that. Awesome. Now for some savings. So our Nikon UK and Europe promotions have started. This is the winter instant save where you can save up to £450 on all kinds of things. There are 69 products on offer, including most of the Z items and some F mount items as well, like the D850, D780, 500PF, 2470 VR F mount. And apart from the brand new Z equipment, most of the Z bodies and lenses are on that list, including the 24120 F4, which I find quite surprising considering that in the UK, it's still very limited in supply. So the promotion started on Friday the 28th and will last till 16th of January inclusive. Now, that sounds like a lot of time, but keep an eye that some lenses like 24 to 120 are out of stock. Now, it may be worth placing your order as soon as possible. So then if the item is in stock, you'll get it soon enough. And obviously people tend to rush in the last couple of weeks before the end of the offer, and then they have to wait for much longer. So That's right. what we would recommend is generally, maybe if you were planning to buy certain things and they are on offer, well, do it as soon as possible because if they're out of stock, then you'll wait much less than later on. That's right. Now, there's no coupon codes, no cashback to claim, nothing like that. All instant. It's all instant. You just put the items in your cart. They're already discounted. Nice and easy. And obviously, Grays of Westminster, our and official Nikon stockist. So all of our stock is discounted with those Nikon promotions. Now, if you're in Europe, you will have similar promotions in euros as well. So check your local dealer. Yes. Okay. Now, coming back to a long-lasting topic of Z9 availability. We started to talk about a couple of weeks ago, and it seems like the great drought of Z9 is finally over. Now, Nikon NPS in the United States, NPS stands for Nikon Professional Services, is sending out emails to their customers saying that a Z9 stock has been improved, and soon if you're in queue for one, you'll get one soon. But also Z9 is finally available for loan from Nikon NPS. They said that the NPS loans are available for their Pro Plus and Platinum Plus members. Now, you have to request it, and obviously it's subject to availability, but they've also put together a very limited number of exclusive Z9 kits with things like the 2470 2.8 and 100-400, and with an FTZ2 plus memory card and reader, and each weekend in November, they will be making complimentary loans of this kit to members of all levels, whether you're Pro, Pro Plus, or Platinum Plus. Reservations first comes, first served. So for all our US MPS members out there, then get your requests in. That's right. If you've been on the fence about the camera and you still may be a DSLR user and you want to see what the future holds, then it may be a good way to try out the camera. Speaking of Z9, Z9 won General Gold Award at DGP Imaging Award 2022 in Japan. So it won the highest General Gold Award. DGP 
Imaging Award is for digital cameras and photo accessories entered by manufacturers and all solutions related to digital imaging, essentially. Good for Nikon, good for Z9. Exactly. Now, moving on to some non-Z9 related news, the 17-28 to 28 2.8 lens that some of you have been waiting for is available. The lens we all learned to love. Now, let's talk about some corp news. Nikon published a Nikon research report, volume four, apparently the three volumes before that. Three so you thought one. you just launched the book, Becky. Nikon launching them every quarter pretty much. Wow. Now, this report apparently is a result of research and development based on Nikon core technologies. So basically it covers all branches of Nikon. So medical stuff, you know, 3D printing and all that stuff. But also for us photographers, it also includes imaging division as well, where they talk about improvements of Z9, et cetera, et cetera. It's a kind of a big read, so maybe for your weekend read and watch, you're welcome to download that and spend a couple of hours. Now, we've included the link for download in the comments below, so feel free to read that if you wish. Now for some third-party news, Mikey announced a new 35F 0.95 APS-C mirrorless lens for Z-mount. So this is a lens that I think was rumored and is now officially out there in the world. It, it's priced at 259 US dollars, so very cheap for a 0.95 yeah, so lens. DX lens, okay, I can deal with that, but 35, 0.95 mm. at $260. Now, 58, not 0.5 from Nikon, costs 8,300 pounds. Obviously, completely different lenses, Check but sorry. it's just funny how we've been bombarded by 0.95 lenses. And, well, we assume it's probably a good lens for what it is, for $250, but it's not going to be anywhere as good as Nikon one at much more. It's not going to be breaking any records, but it is 380 grams, obviously is manual focus, and has a minimum focusing distance of 39 centimeters. All right, let's move on to other brands. Astro Hori will soon announce a new 28mm F13 2X macro lens, similar to, remember we talked about the Laova 24 F14 lens with a little big snoot thingy coming yep. out. So it's going to be very similar to Herb. that. Sounds pretty cool. Again, I'm not a market photographer, but you are. Yeah. Have you had experience with those or are you planning to? I haven't had experience with them, but there are some photographers that I really admire, such as the likes of Joey Tyrrell, who's a Nikon ambassador, and he shoots with a lot of macro with those sort of telescopic mm -hmm. probe lenses. So I would definitely like to give it a try one of these days. Fantastic. Moving on to other manufacturers, we have Yungyo is rumored to announce a YN 35mm f2 lens for Nikon Z mount. Now, it looks like a more of a modern design of the lens, so mm. I don't know, it may have its focus, I'm not sure. The only thing that we know right now is that it's the close focusing distance is 35cm and it will be priced around $250. So stay tuned for that, maybe we'll see more news on that in a couple of weeks' time. Yes, now TT Artisan also announced a new and improved M to Z 6-bit lens adapter, which is a Leica M to Nikon Z camera adapter. This allows for the EXIF data to be passed through. It has things like front and back focus calibration, a button for resetting the focal length, and support for VR on the sensor. That's pretty good. You know, I have a dummy adapter, which I paid about £20 for, mm. that you can mount the, you know, I have a Leica lens, one of the Voigtlander lenses that mm -hmm. I tried on. 
And that one obviously gives you dash dash on everything. There's no active data, there's nothing there. So to have something like this at $79, it's not that bad because not you can bad. dial in the focal distance, you can get your aperture settings. So, you know, it's pretty good to have. However, it's a manual focus only. Now, now, if you like your Leica lens to also focus on your Z camera, there is a rumor that company Tecart will soon announce TZM02 adapter, which will replace the previous version. And that basically, you put it on the camera and then suddenly your Leica lens becomes an autofocus lens. What I'm waiting for is a F-mount manual focus autofocus adapter so that you can autofocus your F-mount AI and AIS lenses straight onto a Z yeah. without the need of further adapters. Yeah, I think that will come. I think that will come because we start to see those things. So hopefully that should help in the future. Now, for the funky news, we have a, now a 3D printed dummy battery grip Amazing. that you can 3D print for your Nikon Z6 in all sorts of colors attached to the camera. Clearly, it won't give you the shutter release button or anything like this, but if you... Or power, for that matter. Exactly, <laughs> but if you like your pinky to be steady and not just hang in an abyss, then you can print one out. I mean, 3D printing becomes quite an interesting tool for a lot of us, and obviously 3D printers becoming a lot more affordable. It will require quite a bit of expertise and learning. Mm -hmm. So yeah, definitely to get the good prints done, you may need a couple of weeks of just constantly printing, improving and learning your equipment. But it's nice things to have. I guess, you know, you can get one of those. There were $20 from whoever designed it, you know. <laughs> Remember the MBN10 battery pack was out of stock for quite some time. So you, in the meantime, you could just have one of those attached. That's right. Moving on to our reviews, we have the Nikon Coolpix 950 23 years later. This is a retro review of a classic camera by Gordon Lang and Dinobytes on YouTube. Yeah, now we have also an accompanying article by DP Review about when the camera came out, etc., etc. But obviously, this camera is famous for its very interesting twist design. Mm. So I think, I think we had one in the show. We yes. used to sell those, didn't we? A long time ago. Iconic. Exactly. Maybe if you don't want to shoot film camera, then you can get one of those. And it's still, I mean, it came out 23 years old. So we can, I think, call it vintage at this point. It is vintage. The vintage point-and-shoot camera, which is interesting. All right. Speaking of vintage lenses that are actually modern and came out fairly recently, we move on to Weekend Read and Watch section where Con and Becky review Voigtlander 58mm f1.4 SL2S Nocturne lens for Nikon F-mount. We shoot in the studio. We took some portrait. We talk about this lens in detail. That's right, go check that out. It's quite a lot of fun. Now, we've also got an article which might might make some of you scream with distress. Others might find it quite entertaining. It's how to quickly ruin your camera and lens by lens rentals. And essentially... <laughs> <laughs> has a lot of horror stories. <laughs> so if you had some ideas how to ruin your camera in the lens, they give you more ideas. But no, Lens Rentals is a company that hires out the equipment to your photographers. So obviously they deal with a lot of cameras and lenses going out to photographers and coming back. So they talk about most common points of failure of all those cameras. So they did publish similar article about two years ago, but now it's updated 2022 version of the same article. Yes. Now last up, we have the film digitizing adapter ES2 by Nikon support. This is a long overdue article and it's slightly random that they've decided to bring it out now when the ES2 came out at the same time as the D850, which was the first camera to incorporate that negative digitizer function in camera. But essentially, it's an article about how to use the ES2, which is a little tool that I find quite handy. 
Yes, and we also had a whole live stream on digitizing your negative as well. So if you want to have a look at the other options, also watch that. And that's a wrap. Wow. It's been a long one. It has. Thank you very much for watching this week. If you enjoyed this video, please give us a like and a subscribe. If you're listening on a podcast platform, then a follow, a rating, a review would be tremendously appreciated. Did you know that we are available on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music and Spotify? I like that. This is my commentator voice. <laughs> you can listen to us in the car, on a train, in a plane, anywhere in the world where TVs are not available. That's right. And in the meantime, you can also find us on the internet, on Instagram. I'm at Rebecca underscore Danese. I'm at Konstantin Koshkin and the show at Nikona Grace. Thank you very much. We will see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs>